You are, you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited and honored for today's guest. He's the co-founder and or principal of five different Inc. Magazine fastest growing companies in the e-commerce space, e-learning, SaaS, and real estate. He's a serial entrepreneur who has built or sold over 24 businesses with adjusted sales ranging from $3 million to just under $4 billion. He is currently the CEO of All Channels Media and a principal in Scalable.co, DigitalMarketing.com, Traffic and Conversion Summit, Praxio, .com, truthconversion.com, War Room Mastermind, Fully Accountable, Everbowl Restaurants, Big Block Realty, Scribe Publishing, and Real Estate Worldwide. Roland's work includes infomercials with Guthy Rinker, publishing deals with Simon Schuster and Random House, shows with major hotels on the Las Vegas Strip, over 100 private and public offerings, running an international hedge fund, advising major brands on a variety of businesses and legal related issues from Pepsi to McDonald's. Roland has a real passion for business and putting deals together and is always looking for businesses to invest in or acquire, reposition, and sell. Recent strategic partnerships and clients include Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Ethad Airlines, HarperCollins Publishing, FedEx, and Uber. Super excited to welcome Roland Frazier to Making Bank. Hey, Josh, it's good to be here. I'm sorry for the long, long bio. I don't know where that one came from. That was one of the longer ones. <laughs> That's okay. Well, it's just like, it's like, man, when does he ever take a break in there? <laughs> Guy sounds like he's full of himself to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome. I mean, fortunately, we've known each other for a little while. So uh, it's, it's super cool. I mean, I know a lot of the stuff that you're doing, that you've done and that you are doing. But I guess tell us a little bit about um, how you initially got started in entrepreneurship? I mean, with a huge resume like that, I mean, did you just come out as a super entrepreneur or what, what, got, what got you motivated down that path? You know, it's, I think what it was is that um, my father was and to this day still is a tax attorney. And so when I was growing up, I saw all kinds of people who were entrepreneurs, who was primarily who he served. Okay, and, sure. um, and so like, you know, people that would come over to the house, his friends, it was, you know, a lot of business stuff at his office and it was all entrepreneurs. And I was like, man, this is really cool. These, these people are doing what they want. They don't seem like they have to dress for somebody else. They're in charge of themselves and they're doing all kinds of interesting things. I think I would like to be like that too. And my father was somewhat entrepreneurial as well. He had his own law practice and, um, did lots of deals where he was mostly an investor, but, um, but I was like, that's, this is kind of cool. And so I think just being interested in that and then um, making friends with some of those people just really showed me that that was kind of cool. And I was a big avid reader as well. And, uh, and he had all kinds of, of stuff around, like he had Bob Allen's nothing down real estate book and, um, <laughs> and uh, Dennis Waitley's psychology of winning, you know, cassette yep. tapes and all that kind of stuff. And it just, it just seemed to resonate with me. I really liked that idea. I, I didn't relish the thought of working for somebody else. No, that's cool. Um, and what, uh, I mean, did you, were you one of the, those kid entrepreneurs or 
did that kind of happen later? I mean, obviously you're, you're, you're an attorney now and everything no, else. Recovering but... attorney. Don't practice. <laughs> recovering attorney. <laughs> so did you, you know, did you start the entrepreneurial career when you were young or what? I mean, yeah. just me knowing you, you, I know you have a musical background and we, you know, we talked for a little while one time, I think you have musician in you somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I bought and sold stuff when I was younger. Um, I, uh, I ran, uh, I, I was, I played in bands, uh, out in clubs starting at age 15. So I had a band that I played in. I had a couple of, uh, of those. We, I mean, that was a business and, uh, sure. and paid us pretty good money. And I ended up seeing the opportunity to take the money that I made from that and acquire, uh, PA system and lights. And then I'd go and run sound and lights for other bands and, um, turn that into a little mini business. And, um, uh, and then, um, in, you know, in school, of course, uh, I may or may not have, uh, engaged in the buying and selling of certain substances that, that, uh, you know, not to be mentioned. So, uh, yeah, it was, I, I, I think I've been kind of entrepreneurial for, for all my life. And so I, Along that way, I mean, obviously <clears throat> buying and selling and doing different things. And I know I went, I came down and um, went through a whole training you guys did um, with uh, zero, you know, buying, buying other businesses and, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, acquiring other businesses with no money down and different things like that. I mean, I guess, how did that all come about or how did you start to figure out those strategies and those different um, uh, tactics and things to really start to do that? Yeah, I, I would I would say that if I was going to pick a point where it all started, it would have been Robert Allen's Nothing Down book because it was fascinating to me as a, I think I was maybe 15 or 16 when I read that, maybe even younger. But I was like, that's really cool. You can actually acquire real estate with no money down. And, and interest rates were high at that point. They were right. you know, maybe 11, 12%. Or, and, and I remember they went up to like 16 that I can recall. And, um, and so in that book, he was talking about, you know, and there are these properties and 6% note and 8%. And I was like, what were that maybe in somebody's dream, but <laughs> it was funny. Cause it was just, it was out of touch with the, with the way things were, but the concepts made a whole lot of sense to me. And so, um, so I, I got my real estate license when I was 18, uh, which cool. was the soonest I was, you know, you were able to get it where I was. And, um, I, uh, I was determined to build a real estate empire. And it was fun. Like the very first time somebody signs their house over to you and you didn't give them anything like <laughs> it's weird. It's you're sitting there at the table and they're signing the deed and you're there and there's a notary there and, you know, et cetera. And, and then they slide it over to you and you're like, huh, so I own this house, but you still have the debt. And now I'm going to go and sell it and make money, but I didn't have to give you anything. That's really crazy, but okay. It's like <laughs> that, that mind shift that you get to actually see happen and feel, I, I still remember the first deal like that. And, um, and so that was really cool. And I just, as I kind of went along, I, I was, I got, uh, I got uh, my securities license when I was 20 and got introduced to uh, some people, uh, up in New York that were securities folks where I had my license hung and, and, and through the real estate thing, I had kind of evolved to building houses and then buying lots and things like that. And I saw how the developers raised money through private placements. That's actually why I went and got the securities license. Mm -hmm. And, uh, okay. cause I wanted to do that too. And so then I was like, you know, as you, as you look at companies, and the buying and selling of companies, I wonder if you could apply these nothing down real estate strategies to that. 
And it turns out you could, but it also turns out that there's literally hundreds of more ways to do it with businesses than there are with properties. And um, so ferreting out all of those different strategies to be able to do this with businesses and the fact that you could own a business that was actually profitable and making money and not have to come out of pocket, that was fascinating to me. And so I've just been doing that for, you know, as long as I can remember now uh, and evolving, evolving, evolving. Now I teach it as well. I don't teach it to make money. I teach it, uh, you know, it's 55 bucks to take a course that ought to sell for a couple grand. And I've seen people selling similar courses that don't teach as much for seven, eight, nine, ten grand. But, um, but because it creates deal flow, because I want to do more deals and I'm living this life, right, <laughs> right. Doing this stuff. So that's, that's really, you know, why I'm into it. No, that, and it's super cool. I know, um, cause I think you have a virtual course now too. I have a challenge. Yeah. Called, it's called the Epic challenge where we okay. basically go through five days and teach people it's $55 for five days and teach them how to do this stuff. Cool. Yeah. Cause I just got that. Cause I wanted to see, because I did the in-person one with you. And yeah. I was like, oh, he's probably updated it with some new stuff since it's about three years ago. Very so updated. let me grab this. Yeah. Very updated. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Because I was like, I, I, I got it because I figured it probably would be to pull stuff from. Because we've actually been looking to try to acquire similar type or add-ons to what we're doing and everything with our health company and everything. That's awesome. Um, whether it's additional manufacturing or things like that. And so I was like, all right, well, I got to figure all this out. So for some of the people watching, you know, what are some of the reasons they may want, if they already have a business, what are some of the reasons they may want to acquire another business or things like that? Yeah. I, I mean, I think acquisition can really help you accomplish anything that you want to accomplish. So I, I look at seven major types of reasons that you might want to do it. One would be the most common is that you want more customers uh, sure. You want more market share. And so then it's very easy to literally, I, I don't know any way that you could double your business of any size overnight by any other means than simply buying another one that has the same number of customers that yours has, a competitor, right? right. That's easy. And it could be a direct competitor or indirect. It could be in your geography or a different geography. It could be up market or down market, but like that, that gives you instant market share. And so I look at each challenge that a business might have. Maybe you need more leads. And you know that if you could get more leads, you could turn them into sales because you've got a good product or service and a good mechanism for converting leads to sales. But if you need more leads, then rather than having to run ads, why not go and buy media where somebody's already aggregated the attention and eyeballs of your ideal customer and you simply get a whole pack of them in one fell swoop? Or maybe you need more resources or and those resources could be teams or people. They could be um, systems. But you can acquire, you can go out and buy a company that already has the software development team that you don't have that you need, or the sales team that you can't find or put together or don't know how to run. Um, if you need to increase your average order value, because you've got good customers who are buying, but you'd like to increase total sales, then you could go buy other products or services that those people are buying before, during, and after the time that they're buying them from you. If you want to have a higher margin because you're not making enough profit, then you can think about vertical integration by buying your suppliers up the supply chain and down into distribution. That could be anything from manufacturers and ingredient providers all the way down to affiliates, right? And, and uh, other, dis other distributors. If you need to get more stable income um, so that you have money coming in regularly, then you can acquire recurring revenue businesses. And if you need 
to have innovation in your business rather than doing it yourself, you can acquire intellectual property. So it's like, I like it because to me, those seven really primary problems that all businesses have can be solved through acquisition. And also you can do it so much faster than any of that's going to happen organically. Right. That's why Apple and Google and Microsoft and all of these hyper fast growing companies, Facebook really grow by acquisition. And yeah, I know that you mentioned that is, I mean, Apple, you usually see them and you're like, Oh, Hey, Apple just acquired XYZ or like, I think right? Beats, they had some, they already had headphones, but then they acquired beats. Now they have the bigger headphones right. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and more, I guess the customer base that and beats lots of created. Plus uh, I believe I could be wrong, but I believe that Apple radio came from the beats radio. I think that was the primary reason they made that acquisition. Right. Cause they had the subscriptions and correct all that with that. Yeah. You're right. I remember hearing that too. Cool. So we have these different seven different, um, variety of uh reasons that why we'd want to acquire a business and then what what is kind of that process look like i mean how do we acquire it with no money down yeah everybody's like hey i want to do that Tell yeah us i mean the, the obviously there's the, there's a lot more to it than we can talk about here but the, the sure. it's pretty simple i mean you once you identify so i i use that that list of seven things that i talked about to me, there that means there's different categories. So there's competitors, there's media, teams, resources, products, services, uh, MRR, monthly recurring or annual recurring companies, uh, suppliers, distributors, and IP. So I go around that, I call it the acquisition wheel. I go around those seven categories and then say that solve those seven problems and then say, who are, who, who are the um, primary companies that fit that description? And each of those seven, by the way, has another five to 10 things that are subcategories, right? So you end up with just pick the category and the subcategory you want and then say, okay, I'm looking for uh, leads. I need media so I can get more leads. So I'm going to acquire media. What kind of media can I acquire? There's a whole bunch of different kinds. Let's say that I decide I want to acquire a podcast because podcasts have my ideal customer and Josh has built up the exact audience that I want. For me to sell my widgets or my services too. So then I would reach out to you and say, Hey, Josh, how's it going with the podcast? You know, how much money is that making for you? How is it working? Are you happy with it? Etc. And then you're either going to go, it's been the best thing ever. I'm making billions of dollars. And I'll be like, okay, I, I'm probably not going to work out something with you. <laughs> or you may be like, man, I love doing the podcast, but I'm having a really hard time justifying it because it doesn't really make any money. I mean, I, 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 ha I don't know how to get sponsors or I've got a sponsor or two and, you know, I make a thousand dollars a month from it, but it's not like it's the best thing I've ever done. And it's kind of become a little bit of a labor of love and a distraction and maybe even a pain in the butt. So, you know, I, I sometimes I, I, I love it. Sometimes I hate it. I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to keep doing it. Well, you're perfect for me then because I can say, well, how about this? How about if I was to acquire the podcast from you? And then I'll own it. You can continue to do it. And then I've got several options. And I can pay you to do what you're not getting paid to do now. As a matter of fact, I could probably pay you two and a half times what you're getting right now every month. How would that be? And then you can continue doing it, which keeps the continuity of host and right. it keeps continuity of brand. And um, But we end up making more money together because I do know how to monetize it because I'm going to sell them stuff that I've got because you've got my ideal audience. Or I might say, 
why don't we do this and I'll acquire it and then I'll rev share with you because I think I can pay you 10% of every sale and each sale that I make is $10,000. So all we have to do is make two and a half sales a month and you've made two and a half times what you're making right now. But maybe we'll do 10 sales and you'll make 10 times, right? right. Or I could, you know, or I could say, why don't I buy it? And then I'll start hosting it. You, we can co-host for the first three months and then you can ride off in the sunset and I'll have paid you $1,000 or $5,000 or whatever, right? Sure. So now that's, you know, that's the easy kind of simple deal. A more complicated right. deal might be, well, you've got a company that's doing $5 million a year and making a million dollars profit. You've got a 20% profit margin on that. And um, we have a conversation and you say, I'm interested in selling. And um, we talk about it and I say, okay, what do you want? And you say, I want $5 million for it. And then I'm going to basically say, well, what, what are the strategies that I could do to acquire that from you and get you what you want without me having to come out of pocket? So the very first thing I would do is I'd set up my own company that I call it a, uh, an SPV or a special purpose vehicle. The only reason we're setting that up is to acquire the assets of your company. And okay. then the way that we would do it is I'd say, you know, so would you consider some seller financing? Would you consider financing that over a period of time? And you might say yes. You might say no. If you say no, I'm probably a little nervous because you don't have enough confidence in my ability and the business's ability to run after you sell it to be willing to have some skin in the game that's going to be dependent on it continuing to produce. So that's a good filter for me. Um, sure. I'll typically start out asking for 80% seller financing and then see what they'll do. Um, as long as they're in the, you know, I'd prefer it to be at least 40%. Um, I don't think I've gone below 20, but, okay. um, but in that 20 to 80 range, I'm feeling pretty good. Well, if we can do that, let's say that we, we settle somewhere in the middle and you're willing to do 50%. Well, now I only have to come up with a half million. I've already got a half million taken care of. There's no money out of my pocket. The next thing I'm going to say is, would you, now I know that we think things are going to go well here. Would you be willing to stand behind that? I'm not going to haggle with you on the price, but the law of price and terms says, if I give you your price, then it's my terms. And so if we, if we do a deal here, then uh, would you be willing to do an earnout so that as long as the business continues to perform like it is right now, two years from now, I'll pay you the other half million. You might say yes. You might say no. You might say, well, I don't know. I mean, I got to get something now. How about I'd be willing to do 25% that way. Be like, all right, awesome. Well, now I've got 50% seller financing. I got 25% as an earnout. I'm no money out of pocket and I only have a 25% gap, 250,000. Uh, excuse me. I only have a 20. Uh, yeah. On my, on my total purchase price of 5 million. Right. Right. I will be within, is it 1.25 million? So I got 1.25 yep. million. I've still got to come up with 25%, but I've okay. got 3.75 with no money out of pocket. Right. And so then I just continue going through strategies. I've got about 200, 219 of them at last count, right? And so I'll just go and look for where is the opportunity in the business? Where Where is their money? Is there money in merchant reserves? Is there money in, in suppliers that I could get to loan me money? Could I change the payment terms on whatever it is that you're selling so that I effectively capture two or three months of free time by extending the window from 30 days to 90 days on my suppliers that I have to pay. Could I consign inventory to you and say, Hey, look, why don't, why don't I take the business, but you continue to own the inventory and then I'll pay you for the inventory at cost as each unit sells. So effectively you're, you're still, you're going to keep owning that. It'll be consigned to the business. We'll sell it as it goes. Maybe I'll go to your team and I'll say, Hey guys, 
I know Josh has always owned 100%, and there was never really an opportunity for you to own any of this before. Um, I'd like for one of you guys to step into Josh's shoes. You've been here running this thing for five years, and you know everything there is to know about it. You got, you got the cred and the chops to do it. Um, how about if you invest, I give you the ability to buy 25% of the company at my cost. Well, if I can do that, then I get you your 25%. I get the buy-in of my people who are going to be running the company. Now I've got them locked in because they got their money in it. Where are they going to get the money? Home equity loan, friends, family, stocks, bonds, investments, all kinds of loan, right? Lots of places they could do that. And then um, I've got 75% of the company and I haven't paid anything for it. Right. Or I might look at your accounts receivable and go and factor those. Or I might look at your credit lines that you've got in that company and do that. Or maybe there's some assets I don't want and we can carve a million two fifty of assets out or some combination of all of those things. Right. Like I said, a couple hundred ways to do it. And so then when we agree on that, it's it's really just saying I've got a whole bunch of strategies. I only need to figure out what do I need to come up with. And then I'm going to build a stack of different strategies that don't come out of my pocket or create personal liability for me. And I'm going to use those to give you everything that you wanted for the company. And some of that's going to be cash. So a lot of people confuse what I do and say, Oh, you're no money down. You can't do deals like that. It's like, it's hard to do no money down deals, (laughs) but it's not hard to do no money out of pocket deals. And there's a big Ah, difference between those two. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that is for sure. That's super cool. Uh, So, and then in your book, zero down, this is the stuff that you dive into. Correct. Um, awesome. And where can people get the book? Um, that's a really good question. I, I don't know what the site is. But... I mean, I found it on Amazon, but okay. I didn't yeah. know if you had another spot. You can get it on Amazon, I hear. Um, you can get it on Amazon. Um, but um, I, I think it's nothingdownbook.com. But honestly, I, I should know that. But if you, uh, if you find me anywhere on social media... Uh, it's like Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, any of those places forward slash Roland Frazier. Uh, you can message me and I'll, I'll put the link up then. Uh, and the we'll main have thing, it below. We'll find it and put it below. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, then I do that five day challenge, which is at getepicchallenge.com as well. So in the uh, in the challenge, that's the virtual course that'll dive into what yeah, we were just we talking about. Five days, a hundred different it. ways, everything exactly. like that. Yeah, with with all the tools and the breakdowns and explanations and Q and A and all that kind of stuff. Cool, awesome. Uh, I know we just got a couple minutes left. What um, what's something you're like? Oh man, I hope was Josh was going to ask me this question or just something I've you really want to leave everybody with. What is the biggest challenge that your audience faces that's listening or watching? Uh, that we might be able to talk about that would help them. That's what I would like to talk about. Yeah, no, super. I mean, just from feedback and stuff I've gotten, I mean, a lot of people, they're always looking for different ways to grow or um, I guess kind of find that way to scale their business. They they get stuck at like that million dollar level. It's like, oh, how do I break through that million dollar level or you know, 5 million or whatever the number is um, and, and kind of that push, being able to push through to that. And so- um, that, I, I always get a lot of emails on that. Yeah, that I mean, question. really, I, I think that's fantastic because that's exactly what we've been talking about. And I think it's, it's that I think that if you can get your mindset changed from the mindset of the way that I grow is to sell more stuff to people using the things that I've been doing and understand that there are so many additional opportunities to grow like acquisition, which is only one, um, 
But within that acquisition, what we just talked about today, there were seven, seven subcategories and then five to 10 subcategories of each of those subcategories. And that's just one set of strategies around mergers and acquisitions, right? And, and that then we can do this without the need for a lot of capital because a lot of people think, okay, well, what I need to grow is I need to be able to buy more media. And as I buy more media, my customer acquisition cost is going to increase because I'm going to have fewer perfectly targeted people. And so they're going to convert less. So I have to spend more. So I need capital. So I need to go out and borrow that capital or get investors to give me that capital. Mm. And the truth is that you don't. So if you can right. just open your mind to the possibility that there are other ways to do this, then you'll start to look for those possibilities and you'll, you'll be able to, to move so much faster than you were before. And so the things that we've been talking about would be a whole category of things that most people never do in business. And the reason that they don't is they think it's too hard. They think that they need a lot of money to do it. They think they're going to go into a lot of debt to do it. Um, or they just think that they're going to have to hire a bunch of expensive professionals who are going to be consultants to them to do it. And the truth is that if you just go start doing it, um, it's really not that hard. And it can have a huge impact on your business to be able to grow exponentially instead of uh, sequentially, to grow exponentially instead of, instead of linearly, and to do it uh, so fast in terms of time with so many learnings that will then bring you into new environments of people that will also help you grow, right? And, and that's, that's a real key thing too, I think, is that if you're just going to solve your problem by doing what you've always done, you would have solved it. Right. So you need to think about what are the other things that I could be doing that won't stop me from doing what I was already doing. And then if I see something like that and I run into one of those and I say, well, I can't do that because, and then you start listing those reasons, then you're in the wrong mindset because it's, you have to say, well, what if, what if that wasn't a constraint? Great. Now I can future pace myself into how this looks if I could actually do that, which is going to get me pretty excited. And then I'm going to start saying, well, what if I don't accept that that's a constraint? What if I could get past that constraint? Who would I need to talk to to help me do that? How would I have to think differently to do that? What things would I have to try that were new to do that? Then that helps you break through those barriers to get to that next level of thinking because we are all self-included thinking way too small all the time, right? Yeah. There's not any yeah. difference between you and me and Warren Buffett and Mark Zuckerberg and Sergey Brin and all those Elon Musk other than our mindsets are, are different, right? And, sure. and with a good mindset and some luck and a business model, I mean, you can take over the world. Awesome. And I know people are probably thinking, oh man, for me to go out and try to buy and do this M&A stuff, and do they need to have any like, like anybody on their team that they need to have? Do they have to have a certain type of attorney or a certain CPA person? Like, I guess, what is that kind of that little circle that they need to either build or not have to worry about? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think when you're doing smaller deals, as long as you're doing them through a separate company, you can close with a simple contract that you could probably create off the internet. You know, I'm not giving legal advice and, you know, you should always go see an attorney because that's good advice. But the truth is that, that very often, smaller deals can just be done with a simple written agreement that says what each party is going to do that each party signs. And then you go do it. And then you don't even need expensive due diligence and financial statements and all that very often in the smaller deals. Cause as long as you're not on the hook for your personal credit or your money or an investor's money, if things don't work out, you just give the thing back and nobody loses. 
right? Mm, um, and sure. if they lied, if you get in and you find out they lied about something and, you know, basic business common sense can help you say, well, let's take a look at how much money's in the bank account. Let's look at this contract that you say you have with this person, you know, but, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of, you're good. Now, as you get into bigger deals, does it help to have a financial person like an accountant to be able to look at statements and say, yeah, it looks like these are legit or uh, uh, attorney to say, you know, let's let's build a more solid contract on this. Um, yeah, sure. But but those are really the key people. Typically, you'll have somebody that knows something about mergers and acquisitions that can that can be the attorney or an investment banker or an advisor. You have an attorney that's done M&A mergers and acquisitions deals. And you have an accountant that's familiar with M&A deals as well. And if you've got those three things, and you might be talking about in a mid-sized deal, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for you know for that, you can minimize it a lot by just having your act together and being very organized because most of those people bill by the hour. And so sure. if you come in having negotiated most of the terms and looking for advice and a review versus you know, hey, let's have a conversation and talk about my family while you're billing me $750 an hour and then, you know, <laughs> let you talk to the seller for another three or four hours about that bill can get big pretty quickly. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think it's I, I think that a lot of the things that hold people back with respect to thinking about growing through acquisition is just that they're scared of it because they haven't done it. And yep. um, so what's cool about that is that you can acquire something as simple as a Facebook group or a podcast, and, and then that will give you confidence and start building your acquisition muscles and experience to say, yeah, this, that wasn't that hard. And wow, now I'm getting, you know, like one of our businesses that sells dog toys, we're buying Facebook groups of dog owners and, you know, we'll buy a Facebook group for $1,500 that has hundreds of thousands of members and we'll get 300 sales a day from it. And, wow. and like, that would cost us so much money if we were running ads yeah. through the Facebook, right? right? You know, so, yeah. uh, so once you get, it's like anything, the first time you ever do anything, it's hard. And then the more you do it, the easier it gets. And then it becomes, you know, old hat. Awesome. Hey guys, I hope you guys were taking notes, really listening to what Roland was talking about today. A lot of amazing insights on acquisitions and different strategies uh, for your business um, to grow or to scale or to, you know, Think beyond how you're currently doing it and, you know, find some different applications to help your business grow. And whether that's through acquisition or just a different way of thinking. So go back, watch, listen to this again. Uh, take those notes as long as you're not driving. And uh, definitely check out uh, RolandFraser.com is his website. And he's on all social at the same handle, Roland Frazier. And we'll have the link down below uh, for the book as well. So uh, Roland, thank you again for coming on Making Bank. An honor to have you on the show today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I am Josh Felber. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.